This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects. And rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women. Rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. So you're um, the LGBT mummy's tribe. That's your handle, isn't it? Yes. I always, when I say LGBT, I get so tongue-tied. It's not one of those things that rolls off. It's the LGBT, LGBTQ. Shall I tell her what I used to think it meant, Bex? Yes. You wait for this. This is fucking hilarious. When I went to uni, I was 18. And Freshers Week, you go around picking all the clubs that you want to be a part of. And yeah. I saw the LGBT and I said to my friend, will you come and like sign up with me to the LGBT? And she was like, um, she was like do you know what it means? And I was like, yeah, legs, guts, bums and tums. You would have been in for a bit of a shock when you joined. I would just love to. I would love it if you'd gone through. I'd love to just be fly on the wall. That would have been quite funny. Um, right. Okay. So, welcome everyone to the worst girl gang ever. This is our episode. We- oh fuck, that was terrible. Laura, can you do it? Are we allowed to swear, or is it a PG? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, we always swear. Yeah. No C bombs, though. Okay, that's no, fine. Hello, welcome to this episode of the worst girl gang ever. Today, we are joined by Laura Rose, who is a co-founder of the LGBT Mummy Tribe. Welcome, Laura Rose. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for thank coming. Thank you for being here. So, Laura Rose, tell us, how did what led you to start this? Because you've got like over 20,000 followers on Instagram, haven't you? Yeah. So that's a, a big following. So what started your your tribe? Well, my wife and I, we've been together 13 years, married nine. Um, and when we started looking to have, like start a family, have a baby, we just didn't know anyone like us. There was no visibility in the media. There was like MySpace and Facebook. Um, and there wasn't any kind of community for women or people like us. So we kind of muddled through it. And then when it came to our second child, we kind of had got the hang of it. But we just kept getting stopped in the street, in the surgery, supermarket. Like, oh, I've got a friend of a friend. Oh, I've got family like you. And oh, my sister's best friend is gay. She wants to know how to have a baby and how much it costs so people would just constantly Mm. ask us and in the end it just became so frequent it was happening on a weekly basis and I was like there's just no community or advice or information for 
people like us that want to go down like the route of motherhood or parenthood like we need to do something let's do something so it started off as an Instagram page and it was just to celebrate families and provide lived experiences of women and people in our community and it kind of within six months it just blew up so we ended up um been invited to Downing Street for our work we've done work with um, a Stonewall campaign and it kind of just escalated so it, and we you know we have partnerships with fertility clinics um, sperm banks different brands and we work with um, organizations like Tommy's and Miscarriage Association that can help us improve the support across healthcare for like our women and people across mm. so would you say that the the experience the support is different to like a heterosexual couple when it comes to loss and how so massively um I think I think men don't really get the credit or the support they need regardless I think men are kind of bystanders when it comes to loss yeah um, so it's similar in that way but when it comes to two women um or people in a relationship and it comes to miscarriage or any type of like loss or stillbirth the non-biological parent is kind of still a bystander but not really included in the situation so when we suffered a miscarriage I wasn't addressed I wasn't supported no one asked how I was and you feel selfish at the time because you feel like oh I shouldn't be feeling like this and you feel guilty but at the same time like the ramifications of like the aftermath of losing a baby together you kind of feel a bit empty like there was no support for me there as well how do I then know how to support my wife through it yeah Um, yeah. you kind of feel a bit lost and there's there isn't really much visibility of non-biological mothers or parents in loss so what we've tried to do is raise that awareness that non-biological parents even though you don't physically carry those scars you don't physically go through that pain emotionally you scar the same and that was the problem that people didn't address me didn't you know, ask how I was or how it affected us both. And we're quite conscious of that. If we, in our miscarriage and loss support groups, we say, how are you both? We're so sorry for you both, like, for your loss to both of you because mm. you've both suffered a loss. Um, and I think the work we do with Tommy's is about raising that visibility of partners and those, you know, support dads to say two people have suffered a loss. It's not just mm. the one, the biological mother or parent. It's not the one that carried. You both go through that pain. And for you to support your partner or wife better, you need to be supported too. You need to be picked up off the floor when mm. when you have that loss. Do you agree, Laura? Yeah, definitely. The the loss that you had was when your wife was pregnant. Yeah. You had a pregnancy prior to that, didn't you? So you carried your first child. She carried our first, our daughter. Oh, okay. Um, and we lost the baby on the fourth attempt, just under three months. Um, and then obviously I've carried after, but right, yeah, okay. she had PCRS, so it took a while. Oh. And was that was the process IVF that you it went was through? IUI when she had it? It was IUI when we had our second child, it was IUI, and then the third attempt was IUI. Then it moved to IVF because I've had fertility issues since, right? And that whole process, do you think there was any difference in that process being gay? Our clinic were amazing. We, we were really fortunate that we went with a clinic that have got a lot of experience supporting our community. And I was never, from that perspective of a private clinic, treated any differently. If anything, they made more of a thing about supporting 
me as well. So I was always addressed. It was always, how are you both the same? Um, But when you left that kind of clinic, that private environment and come into the NHS, it was a completely different ballgame. It was, you weren't even there. I'd get addressed as, oh, are you you the sister? Or when it was me and my wife, they'd ask if this was the grandma, if she was, or she was my mum. Really? or thought process or empathy um there was just no real understanding of our situation at all even when the miscarriage happened it was kind of everything was directed at her um and I, I wasn't really part of that part of the journey and is that a popular sort of theme within your community yeah I think when it comes to after you leave the clinic and it changes to obviously the NHS who are amazing you know a lot of them do amazing jobs and a lot of them really try hard but yeah there is a common theme um in the UK that non-biological parents are dismissed or not included or you know you get that level of discriminatory we had it at the um at the birth of our daughter um one of the obstetricians shooed me out of the room when she realized what we were um and was quite disgusted by it and said I don't want you I want the real mum get her out I want the real mum and like no. it absolutely floored me yeah um about a year and a half after I was a I was neurotic I, I had to validate myself in every situation yeah. like oh I'm her mum too and oh yeah I'm the other mum like it was embarrassing but so many people experience it whether it's from health professionals or family members as well especially generational like older but um People don't understand. People don't. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to understand um, or care. Um, you feel like society has turned a massive corner in relation to LGBT, mm-hmm. but uh, clearly, clearly, there's still there's still an issue, isn't there? I think across like marriage equality and stuff like that, then yeah, people it has moved forward. But when it comes to healthcare, pregnancy, birth, not at all. So we do a lot of work with the NHS. So we're stakeholders. Um, on the Maternity Transformation Programme Council. So oh, we're amazing. trying to help implement um, policy change and improvements across the maternity programme across the NHS. That's and, fantastic. Well, you are busy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For us, it's like if we can have an impact and make change so that other people don't have to go through comments like what I went through yeah. and yeah. comments like what Stacey had to go through, like she's four years older than me and she looks amazing to be told oh is this is this your mum it's four years difference and in the end it happened so often she went I'm not being funny but do I really look old enough to be a mum how old would I have had to be to, yeah. <laughs> to have her when she's like 30 odd and you know it gets it gets a bit painful in the end you get a bit bored of having to explain yourself and mm. sometimes you don't mind because people just generally are kind and they're trying their best you see that and you understand that but when people are just being ignorant you kind of get a bit bored of the lack of wanting to understand or support so it can be difficult yeah and how so how are you going about doing all this because it's just from what you said sounds like a massive hurdle knocking on just knocking on the right doors but knocking at the doors up top so um like there's so many areas of like healthcare that we're just not supported in at all so there's no data collected on us so you know when they say oh this amount of um people in this minority are xyz there's nothing there's no data on us um and there's just a lack of education and training across midwives 
helpies is GPs. Um, as an example, um, when I went for my midwife appointment and I had to explain all the treatment I'd had, it took two and a half hours at my first appointment. And I had to explain to the poor midwife exactly what treatment I'd had, what my medications were, spell out every medication and explain what they did because she didn't know any of it and she was so embarrassed. And I said, look, it's not your fault at all. It's not your fault because you've never been shown and you've never been trained. And that's wrong because our midwives, many of them, tens of thousands of them, want to do the best job they can. But if they don't understand what you've had done, what you've been through, if you've miscarried, like if they can't understand how they're going to support you in the best way possible, and that's the problem. So I've Mm. just been going round and knocking on the doors of certain organisations so I met with the government equalities office in February and just brought all these areas that people are coming to us like us and saying this is happening that's happening this is wrong that's wrong like the forms saying mum and dad or mother and father what about, yeah. what about us um and they kind of just sat there and they took it on board and they said like this is like we're shocked we've never looked at this or these are things that you'd think were sorted but now go and speak to all these other organizations because they all do different things and they can all change that there's so many different aspects to Mm. change and it's taking a long time but the good thing is people want to people want to help and the NHS want to change yeah so is there much difference between here and America because I know a lot of the people that you support are from the US aren't they is their their system any better than ours in relation to all of this stuff that we've been talking about? Not really. Um, the problem with America is the states all operate differently. Right. So, um, like we have the NHS treatment over here, where you can apply for free treatment if your area CCG doesn't cover you. That's it. You've got to pay private. Yeah. Over there, you might have work health insurance that your employer pays that covers fertility treatment, or you might have personal health insurance that does over here it doesn't or you might just have nothing um but some people travel states to get treatment because the state they live in is homophobic and they can't get treatment and so when you decided with your wife that you wanted to look into having kids how simple was that process and how did you go about it it wasn't simple at all there was just no information anywhere um we knew a woman in the community that she was a lot older that had had a child and she had used our clinic and she said give them a call see what they're like other than that we didn't know right. um, so we shopped around a bit on google and looked at a couple of different clinics but when we went to the open evening they turned around and we asked about my wife and because she got told at 16 by the nhs she'll never have children your pcos is so bad it's so severe um never carry a child to term and then we went there and they said no we will get you pregnant let's get you tested and they tested her they went it may take a while it is severe but we will get you pregnant and they did um Mm. but there was nothing there was no information there wasn't no support groups or um communities like ours you couldn't we didn't know any other families like ours we were probably in our area one of the first couples to have a child um through fertility treatment or have a child at all so we kind of just had to wing it and there wasn't mm. any information or support anywhere. That's why we created it so that everyone could come together and say, oh, I'm going through this or I've suffered a loss or, you know, 
I'm trying to conceive, if there's anyone got any advice, you know, there's so many different ways our community can have children, but unless you hear those lived experiences from people, and that's the best review you'll ever get if someone yeah, says, absolutely. Oh, so this worked for me and I've got this condition or this is what didn't work for us, that's that's the best you can get. Yeah. Um, and it's a really we- positive community. Yeah, definitely. I think we chatted similarly to a uh, lady who had a surrogate and it was the same. She said, I just never even thought that we could afford it. And it wasn't until she started looking on Facebook and looking at these communities Mm. that she realised that actually it was affordable and things were possible. But I think so many people go through things, even simple things like the early scan. I didn't want to have an early scan because I was like, oh, it's going to be like 250 quid. I I don't want to. Because we assume these things are going to be completely out of our reach. Mm. It puts us off even doing the research. But when you have people that say, I've been there, I've done that, this is is how we did it, it's such a kind of, um, you know, it really cheers you on to to do it, doesn't it? Makes it seem more achievable, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So how did you, this might be a personal question, don't worry if you don't want to answer. How did you and your wife decide who was going to carry the baby? Well, I'm younger and obviously she'd been told that she would never carry. So at first we were like, well, obvious choice, it'd be me. And then when we went and we had that open evening and they tested her and, you know, they said she'd be able to carry, it made sense. She's older than me, she's got... PCOS, it's severe. I've got time on my hands to play with, and she wanted to carry, so it made sense. Um, and I, we knew that at some point we would carry again. And we were both working full time. And IUI is cheaper than IVF, so you know we saved, we scraped, we scraped. You know, back then we both worked full time and worked hard, but we we literally lived on nothing. And people, I think people assume that you know. 10 years down the line oh you know they could afford it but when you look back and you think we were living on nothing we were paying our bills and eating no holidays no luxuries just to make sure we could afford the yeah. next treatment mm. thinking god if this takes any longer we're going to be able to afford it and that's the thing some people will never ever get to the point where they can even afford that because yeah. you know of their incomes or the roles they have and they can't get nhs treatment because of their trust doesn't support it or they don't meet the criteria and so they go down other routes that they didn't want to go down home insemination for some is perfect but for others they go down it because that's their only choice and they find a a donor on Facebook or a a friend or a known donor and sometimes it does go wrong unfortunately Um, and it can have an impact on the child their relationship it can be really difficult into it when you say sometimes it goes wrong in terms of someone decides they want to be a part of the child's life or they don't want to be a child's life or you know something yeah, like so that when you do home insemination unless you're married or civil partnered you can't both be on the child's birth certificate so the donor would legally be the child's other parent so if you then wanted to have parental rights and be the second parent of that child you have to go through a second parent adoption so some people again don't know this have an agreement or a written agreement that doesn't stand up in court with a friend um and there are people that have come to us for support devastated years later because they they can't see their child them and their partner have split up um the donor is taking them to court all of a sudden he decides he wants to be part of the child's life 
Oh, God, and messy. It can get really messy. But if you think that these people have not had any other option yeah. and they desperately want a child, if you want a baby that bad, you'll do anything. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the problem. Um, there's just a lack of support for our community because it is harder for us to have kids. Yeah. Um, mm. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's no, such a shame, isn't it? Wouldn't mm. even have, have thought about that, actually. There's, I think there's so much that you don't think about. As, like, a heterosexual woman married, there's so like, when you were talking earlier about the forms, like, it would obviously never cross my mind that there's a space missing on that form for mum and mum or dad and dad or whatever because I'm not one of those people. And I think that's across the board. So much of this is not necessarily prejudice. It's just ignorance because yeah. people, you know, you are a minority group mm. and people don't think about anyone other than themselves yeah. most of the time. So it's just, the mass. it's just awareness, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's because we're growing so much. Like people, you know, 20, 30 years ago, our community, we're all ravers, we're all out, we're all drinking, we're all having a good time, everyone's got a gay best friend. That's the stereotype. But as the last 20, 30 decades have grown, we all want families. We want that heteronormative Mm. life, some of us, um, and it costs. And, you know, that stereotype has diminished in some way. But at the same time, people can't always afford treatment or you know other people go down adoption or fostering but not as much specifically in women and people that we support it's not very common for women or people that we support to go down adoption or fostering they tend to want to carry and if they don't carry they then go on to adoption or fostering some do which is amazing but with the forms and stuff that's just I mean my midwife appointment a few weeks back the forms I got mother father Mm. mother's ethnic origin father's ethnic origin I had to cross out and put donor about five times um Mm. and you don't mind because you're used to it but it should just say mother or parent so it includes binary or trans people father or other parent it's really simple because then it puts everyone it doesn't erase the word mother which I find wrong anyway I think don't erase a woman or a mother or a female to accommodate our community I think include everyone so say mother or parent father or parent and then that way everyone's included um but there's so many forms like that that just don't even we don't even come into it (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and have you since you have had sorry did you have you got one child already we've got two you've got two children how old are they six and two Oh, so have you experienced um, prejudice since they've been born as a family? We live in like a really small area. It's like very villagey and um, it's quite far out. And, you know, she goes oh, where do you live? Out in Essex. Oh, OK. Like back ends. And it's just really quiet. It's really sheltered. But we're accepted here. You don't really get anything like that. But when we go out, if we go to certain areas or certain theme parks, whatever, you will get people still trying to work out whether you're sisters or friends or yeah or, um or you know depending on how we're dressed if they assume that we're together and working out which one the kids have come from because the kids go to both of us and mm. they're both quite olive skinned because the donor was Puerto Rican same so, donor for both same donor for both yeah through um a clinic a sperm bank called Zytec in America and um 
people you can see people trying to work it out and that doesn't bother me but sometimes you'll get looks but it tends to be for the men not the women women you type kind of get a smile or oh okay I get it now and you know they're friendly mm. but it tends to be from men men don't tend to like it and you'll get isn't that funny people. yeah why do you think that is I don't know. It takes them out of the equation Hmm, make some useless. Like, they're not like some, <laughs> Just want your sperm, really, That's all we want like, from you. It's just sperm. Some <laughs> caveman kind of trip switch is flicked. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, see. It's all about ego. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Men, yeah, men tend to be the ones that find it odd or disgusting, or you get the sneers from. You don't. We don't really get that from women. You experience the comments when you go for appointments and stuff like that, or having it's like you have to it's like the second coming out of the closet you have to come out at every gp appointment health visitor appointment midwife appointment which gets a bit boring obviously yeah, but you're yeah. you've got to do it but no other than that it's for us it's been okay for some others not not so great there's people in our community that come to us and said that they've had things stuff through their letterbox threatening letters it's disgusting isn't it it's absolutely disgusting yeah. Like I'm from near Brighton, so pff, anything Brighton. goes around here. <laughs> no, like you, you can wear whatever the fuck you want and walk down, walk down the road in Brighton. Everyone's just like, you all right, amazing. Yeah, it <laughs> is <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love your shoes. Yeah, but I love that. I really, really love that kind of. So I don't understand prejudice really because I've always been from this area so I just find it so bizarre and my kids like my kids have grown up like when I talk to them about um pride and stuff mm. and I say and because we I know loads of gay like we've got loads of gay friends and stuff and my kids just accept them for how they are and then I'll say something about you know something negative and they'll say but why do people think that just because a boy loves another boy why do they say that and I'm like I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. A diff- children are amazing with how they, you know, all those sort of things, racism, homophobia, all that stuff. They just don't understand. Yeah. It's a learned behaviour. It's a learned behaviour. And I just, oh, I think it's getting better. Do you think it's getting better? I think it depends on the area you're from. I think mm. there's a lot of areas, um, more so up north and like Midlands and stuff where, for some reason, it's generational. So homophobia, racism is passed down. And like I said, learned behaviour through family. So yeah. it's where you hear and learn your first word, your dialogue, yeah. use of language. And that's where people pick it up from. And can't always blame, you know, if you hear kids say things, you can't always blame the child yeah. because it's not always a child. It's always come from somewhere else. Children are not taught to hate from birth. Yeah. It's such a shame, isn't it? Because there's no, I imagine, obviously I don't know, but being a woman, you, I think you have like this inbuilt, a lot of us have this inbuilt desire to to carry and hold and have a baby. And being, you know, gay doesn't change that about being a woman, does it? No. Obviously there are people um, in our community that just generally say, I've never, ever wanted to carry. It's not something I've ever of sometimes mm. it's people that are of a particular gender stereotype we you used to find that women that were more butch than femme would say it's not something that I'd want to go through I don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. with it but that's completely changed um and again they're stereotypes um 
from decades ago. There's so many different and amazing people in our community that have all carried um, or both carried. But then there's people that are infertile or find out they're infertile later mm. on in life or struggle and mm. know that they'll never carry. And that's the problem, you know, mm. that lack of understanding, but that lack of education at a younger age, something that we keep pressing on about is that yeah. sex education needs to be updated. There needs to be yeah. um, more support and education around getting your fertility checked at a young age because no one sits you down at 20 when you're at uni and goes, you need to get your ovaries checked just in case. And there's yeah. so many people that we've supported that get to a certain age, they're ready, they meet, they get married or they don't, and then they get checked and go, oh, God, mm. we're never going to be able to afford to get me pregnant. And that chance is gone. And that's so wrong. Yeah. Why is there not more education, especially for our community, because we can't just get pregnant. We can't yeah. just come It's not just about jumping into bed with no, someone exactly. and hopping on the good foot, doing the bad thing and <laughs> hey, presto. Exactly. And that's the thing. We can't just try um, and know there's a problem. Yeah, um, you're right, because it, it is something that needs to change, like, across the board. But it is more important for that your community for that reason it's it's not free is it nothing is it's it's never going to be a simple process so if there is a chance that it could be made easier and the success rate could be better then you want to know that at a much younger age yeah you can um yeah go through the process of of freezing eggs and doing all the things you need to do to make it more successful Mm. i've got a question for you can yeah. you tell me about sperm donors? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked. How did you? How did you pick yours? And is it like a catalogue? Yeah. How? Really? Yeah. Start like shopping for the most expensive pair of shoes you'll ever buy, and you can't pick one. Did you know what you were going in looking for? Um. We made a list. So we always say to people, when you've got to sit down and think about it, you've really got to make a list of exactly what you're looking for. Some people go for physical attributes, like if they're good looking or handsome, or if they look like a family member, so if they look like a grandfather that's passed. Oh, yeah. Oh, I never wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. nice. A sibling and, you know, your sibling's passed and you'd love, love it to look like you and your sibling. Or if your partner's never going to carry and you'd like, the baby or babies to look like your partner so if you're dark haired and you want a baby that looks like your partner is blonde hair blue eyed you might go for a donor that's danish or swedish or Mm. you know looks a certain way but then other people go for personality so they might want like a high iq or you know we looked at um our personal attributes we wrote down about each other what we thought was our best personality traits or interests so I'm really, I used to be in musical theatre and I used to be a performer. So I wanted someone with a musical interest. Um, and then my wife was really, really sporty. So we wanted someone with an interest in sport if possible. And we both knew that, you know, we both find a certain type of woman attractive, but we wanted a man who kind of had that look. So we knew we wanted someone Latin American, Spanish, olive skinned. My wife's got brown eyes. I love brown eyes. I was like, definitely not my eyes. I want brown eyes. Um, with a great build and then you can go through and you can go through their medical history their immediate family extended family how they died what age they died and then it whittles it down so it's like yeah. it is like shopping it's weird can you check for stuff like um family convictions like if their dad was a murderer 
for example. That's an interesting question. I'll ask the sperm bank. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get back to me on that one? Because that has always fascinated me. Like how far down the line you have to go. Jack Ripper's. Yeah, exactly. What grandson. would you like? That would be. <laughs> would that be yeah, a game changer? Oh, my children are a bit crazy. So, I mean, how many people would would one sperm donor have? That, have you seen to? that film? There's a film all about this when that guy has like a real five thousand children. Yeah, no, no, it's a fake film. I, oh. It's not a documentary. Oh. <laughs> it's got that Vince Vaughn in, in it. Families, but in certain places worldwide it's up to 60 is it wow it really depends it really depends where you are and did your sperm come from the u.s did you say yeah so how did it get here they ship it in these tanks these minus god knows what degree tanks they ship it direct like they liaise with the clinic they have relationships with the clinic you order it online it's amazing, um, really, isn't it? Science it is, amazing. is bloody amazing. Strange shopping experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit different to we the Argos catalogue. And it's not very, like very, an very, eBay situ. No. <laughs> that highest no. bidder wins. I bet you oh. could buy it on eBay, though. Sperm, probably. You can get it on Facebook. Do you remember so. that girl who sold her virginity on eBay? She was on This Morning once. I remember that. <laughs> Crazy. She funded herself for university, though, so... Yeah. Oh, she went through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm. Fair play. <laughs> she got herself an education. So I'm free. No student loan there. I'm still paying <laughs> my student definitely. loan. Maybe I should have done it. Oh no, I didn't have a virginity by the time I went to uni. <laughs> I lost that a long time before. Oh, well, I might dear. edit that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> In case my mum listens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh wow laura Rose, thank you so much thank you for having me yeah it's been so interesting i hope we yes. haven't been too like oh and then what no, and then what did you do oh no, good so if there's anyone listening who is gay and wants to go down this route how would you what would you give them as advice first step step one um well obviously if they're women or people non-binary or trans from our community um, you can come to us so mm-hmm. we're on Instagram the LGBT Mummies Tribe or our website which is exactly the same um, dot com or Facebook um, with guys there's loads of um, bloggers and followers we work with um, two guys called Two Dads UK who are amazing they've got great history in surrogacy um, and are amazing they just help anyone um, there's loads of people that are now sharing their journeys so it's just hashtag LGBT or yeah. same-sex families or come yeah. to us and ask and we'll always direct people to the right bloggers or website that you can get support there's a lot more nowadays but we're here if people are just lost and just need a bit of advice really we'll always yeah. help and it's just wrong everyone should have the opportunity to have yeah. a child by their chosen route and not be forced down a route that they don't want to take and unfortunately yeah. that is just what happens and you get people I did a Channel 4 interview the other week and they were asking about it, like when they say inappropriate comments, you get people that go, oh, just why don't you go out and have sex with a guy? Or, you know, your mate, he's really good looking. Why don't you just sleep with him? Or why don't he just smoke in a cup? And you're like, why don't you just fuck off? Just, I don't know. People just think, you know, you can just create a child without on a whim without 
thinking of the impact on the child and yeah. that's the most important for us the most important thing you've got to think about the child in the long run and their future you mm. can't just go and get pregnant and well yeah but it's, I mean that just go and shag a random guy either should you even if but you also, are a friend you don't want to have sex with him so that no one would ever say that to a couple a heterosexual couple that was struggling no with fertility oh. if it was like oh, oh it's, he got it's, low it's a male count. problem just shag, yeah. Yeah. Just shag his mate yeah exactly no oh, because that's, that's just, outrageous people just, people just wouldn't but or you get the line which you know we always get whenever we do any campaign work and you get trolled your, your people or you people should just adopt there's plenty of kids out there that need adopting yeah children that heterosexuals don't want and there's a lot of our community that take them on which is amazing but you can't tell someone that wants to carry a child you should adopt because Mm -hmm. you're gay and you can't physically carry or you can't afford it you can't say that to people it's like taking away their choices isn't it yeah, exactly. It's like, well, it's implying that that being gay is a choice. They're like, well, you chose this. Route. And we get that all the time. We get that all the time. Your lifestyle is the best. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> your lifestyle, like you're fucking cheesy. A swimmer or something. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Oh god. They might get off. Yeah, well, thank you so, so much for talking to us so openly and honestly. It's been really interesting. No worries. I, I, feel, I feel empowered to um, to talk more about it, to open yeah. the door of conversation. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Raising yeah, awareness. definitely. And if people are rude back, just tell them they're a dick. They should <laughs> oh, <be>. Yeah. <laughs> I, and then run, really. Yeah, and then run. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, cool. No problem at all. And uh, yeah, we will follow, keep following your page and look forward to um, seeing what the future brings. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. Cheers, Laura Rose. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us, and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. (laughs) To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel-Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.